Hi, I'm Don Mackey, and welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Welcome, folks, to this episode of Pathways to Rural Prosperity. This is Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, and I'll be your host today for our podcast. And I'd like to introduce our two guests, John with Compere Financial and Pam, who we've done several podcasts with, with the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation. John and Pam, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So today we're going to be talking about an exciting new initiative that builds on the great work that Pam and the foundation has been doing with REV, an e-communities initiative in Southern Minnesota. So John, I always like to start out since you're new to our podcast, share a little bit about your journey, your career that's kind of brought you to this point and share a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks, Don. I appreciate this. This will be an exciting partnership with Pam, following your leadership, really, Don. So my career started out of college in Northwest Minnesota, worked for a congressional office, then moved to USDA. And during the President Bush administration, became the state director there as a presidential appointee at USDA here in Minnesota, then ultimately went to Eggstar, which was a part of the farm credit system. And now Compere, it's a successor along with Badgerland Financial, first farm credit services of Illinois, all combined into Compere. And so when that happened, I was overseeing a couple of different areas like marketing and corporate giving, legislative work, along with our rural investments. So, but my passion, my career passion has really been around rural communities. And so for the last 37 years, that's really where the focus has been in that area, in that work. And one of the best partners we've had through all of it has been the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation. So Pam and her boss, Tim Penny, have, have become friends. And as you probably know, Don, in rural communities, it's a bit of a club. We all care about the same thing. And you see a lot of the same people talking to each other about how do we do things better. And that's really what we're after here. So Compere is a farm credit cooperative, but it's owned by its clients. It has its member owners in that way. So the dollars that we commit to our initiatives and investments are theirs. And so we're farmer-led, we're farmer-owned. And they all live in rural America and they live in rural communities and on farms. So the idea here is to work as hard as we can to make a difference on their behalf with the dollars that they allow us to expand and invest. So my my focus here is really around rural communities. And we've sort of reestablished a new initiative. We call it Rural Vitality. And that's what I'm leading as a group there. And that'll include equity investments, rural health care investments, and well beyond, I think. And part of where we are right now, Don, is we're trying to learn through REV what's happening in these communities. So we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a little bit. But that's why we've invested here is we think we can learn. We need to listen and learn and be able to establish a better idea of where the strengths and opportunities are in these communities. Yeah. And as you indicated, John, Compare works in three states, parts of Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Illinois. And as you alluded to, while farm credit is really important, farm financing is really important in the agricultural sector, Compere also engages in financing in other parts of the economy, like healthcare, correct? We do. Yeah, rural hospitals, assisted living, and nursing homes specifically 
as our Farm Credit Administration has allowed us the opportunity to invest there. And we're working legislatively right now to expand some of that in a way that will help rural communities in new ways. Rural infrastructure is a really big need. Public safety, for example, and you see local daycare. We're worried about workforce housing, for example. These three are the pillars of challenge in rural communities that we see right now. So we want to work with our partners and everything we do, Don. And I think I know I'm preaching to the choir when I say this to you and Pam, because everybody knows this. I think everybody who's into rural development knows it's a team sport. You can accomplish nothing by yourself. And so everything is done through a public-private nonprofit partnership. And so that's what we continue to do. But healthcare has really been at the center point of our investments. But there are so many other amenities and infrastructure needs out there. We see rural businesses dependent upon it and entrepreneurs as well. So the idea here is to really think more broadly about how do we do this better? Absolutely. So Pam, you've been our guest before, but let's turn to you. And we've done a podcast about REV or Rural Entrepreneurial Ventures, but remind our audience about REV and the work that the foundation and that you've been doing in Southern Minnesota. Yeah. Thank you, Don. Entrepreneurship has been a personal journey of mine for close to 30 years. And so when I came on board about 17 years ago at the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation, I wanted to make sure that we are continuing to grow entrepreneurs in the 175 communities that we serve, the 20 counties that we oversee, and that we do it in a collaborative way. And when our board in 2016 challenged us to create a stretch goal, I looked on my shelf, Don, Back in, what, 2005, 2006, (laughs) I came to one of your trainings. I think it was down in Kentucky, actually. And that motivated me. That spurred that light bulb and said, you know, this is something we got to do. And so when the timing was right, I dusted off. I shouldn't say dusted off, but I pulled it (laughs) off the shelf once again. And I said, here it is. It's been sitting in front of me for 10 years. And we began that journey in 2018. We identified six communities in southern Minnesota that seemed to fit with the framework that we wanted to pursue. They were eager and ready to talk about and to implement the framework that you have held so dear to your heart and have been a champion across the country to ensure that communities have this opportunity. Now we have eight active communities with those that have committed over a three-year period. We're ending our second cohort in the third year. We've seen remarkable gains in these communities, whether it's empowering their leadership to do more, understanding how to do entrepreneurship in a more effective way. How do we engage the community so that they're also paying attention to how they can create their opportunities and through the talents that they have and the expertise that exists in our communities? And then how do we build this ground game so it's sustainable, long-term, living, never ending. And so that's our job here at the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation. And we can't do this without partnerships. And so last spring, when we had this conversation with Compeer, they introduced us to an illustration, kind of their roadmap as to how they envision working in the communities they serve. And collectively, we talked about how could we do this together so that we can create a more robust future for the communities that want to engage in entrepreneurship led economic development strategies. Yeah, absolutely. And Pam, just uh, kudos. Uh, We're going to share with our audience your website. There's some great stories. This is making a difference. It's demonstrating value. And at the end of the day, you know, we kind of make this hard, but it's about 
working with one community at a time and the folks who live in that community who want to do something, start a business, grow a nonprofit, improve healthcare, that all falls within this entrepreneurial world that we're talking about. So, John, I want to come back to you and go a little bit deeper in this participation or collaboration with Rev. You mentioned that you've had a long relationship with the foundation and that they've been a partner, your commitment to rural community uh, vitality. Talk a bit more why you're interested in entrepreneurship-led development, the Rev model, and just share a little bit about your interest in this. So when we began Rural Vitality, it's a bit of a back to the future, at least for me. And The idea here is that rural communities are dependent on strong agriculture and strong agriculture is dependent on strong rural communities. This interdependence is something that leads the way in terms of Compere's thinking and its mission to enrich agriculture in rural America. And so we know that agriculture cannot succeed and our clients cannot succeed without strong rural communities. And that dependency continues to grow. At the same time, we've seen a lot of depopulation in rural areas. Now it's beginning to come back in some areas, and including in Minnesota, for example, but not at the pace that it has lost. And so we we need to invest in these communities. And we know that economic development and entrepreneurial-led economic development is, is one way to really understand better what resources there are in communities, where the resource gaps exist in these communities, whether leadership is pulling together in an aligned way, whether our leaders need to have further direction, better coaching, or better opportunities to find ways to prioritize, organize, and align all the work that they're doing. And so entrepreneurs, I think the one thing is it's interesting to me, I've heard comments that entrepreneurialism in a rural community is one small facet of a community. And I understand the comment, but it really is a driver. You learn so much as you begin to follow an entrepreneur through the community. We were together, Pam and I were down in Lanesboro, Minnesota, and in Spring Grove, Minnesota last summer, and we watched what happened there. And as we followed some of the entrepreneurs there, we realized that as they made the connections, they needed to understand that the infrastructure existed. Other businesses that would support theirs were there. They had a social network and a culture that was necessary for them to grow. And the only way we could attract them to these communities if all of the above existed. So in order to do that, we needed to do a better job of investing in the communities to have a more whole, holistic approach to ensuring those opportunities would exist for growth in the future. And these rural entrepreneurs are the businesses of tomorrow. They're the innovation that we're going to see in rural communities moving forward. So it represents our future. We're investing in our future. And so what I like about it is it gives us a lens from the entrepreneur side. It gives us a lens from community leaders' side, and from an economic development point of view as well. So all of this is incredibly helpful for us. And as we go through this, we're looking to listen and to learn and to better understand where those strengths, weaknesses, opportunities exist, and how we can identify the trends and themes in these communities where we will be able to invest along with others along the way. So this is a very orchestrated effort in our minds to make smart, targeted investments with key partners along the way. So a lot of work is happening, Don, outside of this, as we build the framework of partnerships, strategic partnerships that will come in behind this and begin to invest. And every day we talk about it, every day we go to these communities, this puzzle gets clearer. 
And it gets very intentional in terms of what we want to accomplish. We can't do what Pam does. We can't do what she does in terms of leading these communities. What we can do is come in behind and provide the capital support that they're going to need to invest in the right places. But there are many other pillars that are needed in these organizations who provide leadership and we'll invest in them as well. The idea here is to create a holistic approach to creating as much community vitality as we can in these rural communities. So that's a long answer, but it's a rev is really the key. It's kind of the nerve center of how we really get started in terms of how we're going to do our work moving forward, Don. Absolutely. I really agree with your point that entrepreneurs as drivers, I think there's a certain positive, contagious culture that's created when you have individuals in your community that are successfully pursuing their dreams. They're realizing opportunities. They're making a little bit of money. They're providing important goods and services in communities. That tends to rub off on other people to say, well, maybe more is possible. And I'm sure you've seen that in your work over your career with rural communities, that when you get that positive energy going, it drives other behavior. It does. You can feel a community that has a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem around it. You go into these communities like we did last summer, you sense the community support around you, you sense the, the entrepreneurial culture. Everything around it is thriving. And it's different from communities that are surviving. And I think that the entrepreneur is the center point at which you begin to turn the corner and you begin to see where that opportunity for growth occurs and everything begins to operate around it. Pam, I want to pivot to you. And this is a softball, but I think it's so important for our listeners to come back to this question that you've got insight on. And that is... Why is fostering the development of entrepreneurs so important? Because we make the point within E2, our world, and Rev and us have been partners for a long time, that the primary purpose of an entrepreneurial ecosystem is not necessarily to grow better businesses, although that's one of the clear outcomes we want. It's really to develop that entrepreneurial mindset, that entrepreneurial talent, that ability to do things. Share a little bit on why you're so passionate about that human development aspect of entrepreneurship? Well, Don, what I have seen in communities that pay attention to their entrepreneurs is that there's opportunities for transformative change. These folks are in communities because they want to be there, right? They've made it their home. They've made it their livelihood. Their children go to school in the school systems. They take advantage of the health care that's afforded to them. They're the fabric of the community, And when we give entrepreneurs an opportunity to go beyond being part of the community and we start including them in ways that help transform their business, we see opportunities to increase the wherewithal of the community in terms of prosperity. We see changed behavior because people are thinking innovatively. They're setting their sights at a higher visions, right? They're seeing a positive, optimistic future that perhaps they didn't see prior to paying attention to their entrepreneurs. So the entrepreneurs become the voice, they become the leaders, and they become the key element to how we see a cultural shift and change in communities' opportunities. We also see diversification. We know the more that we provide entrepreneurs in terms of resources, whether it's access to capital, whether it's business mentorship, We know that they become smarter in the decisions they're making. They become innovators themselves in how they grow their economies. And then all of a sudden, we have a robust, resilient community that perhaps we didn't have, you know, maybe just a year ago. 
So it's so important to make sure we have entrepreneurs at the table, that we listen to our entrepreneurs. And at the end of the day, we have a much stronger economy. We have what we call a community development philanthropy foundation, which is transformative. And we see this in communities in southern Minnesota that have chosen to create community foundations, for example. We know how effective community foundations can be in creating the infrastructure, that positive reinforcement to say we care about the community, we care what happens in our town, and we want to be part of those decision-making strategies. So what happens is we start to see empowered leadership. Leadership that doesn't matter who's there at the table, but it's a culture shift that says, Everyone's voice counts. Everyone matters in this community, and we want as many people at the table as possible. So John has alluded to Lanesboro, Spring Grove. We've seen this in Blue Earth, where there's this magic that happens. People become more engaged. They have this can-do attitude that perhaps didn't exist. And so Mapleton's another community. We're working with community the CETA folks, the Community Economic Development Associates, it's, a, it's an organization that's also a partner in this work. And as John alluded to, there's other partners that are surrounding this effort that are important to the ecosystem building. And when we start building capacity, not only in the businesses that we're supporting, but in the institutions that are, are leading this effort, and we start seeing remarkable change because now we have the abilities to do more than we had with I don't want to use the word just volunteers, but volunteers. Volunteers get tired. They're busy people. So we need to figure out how do we elevate the work we do through the capacity building, the access to capital, and the talent creation to really move the needle in these communities. Absolutely. And John, I want to come back to you on an important point before we talk about what comes next with this exciting new collaboration. John, you mentioned the idea that you provide capital and capital is so essential in a market economy like ours to kind of set up the question, you know, we've done this long 50-year case study of Ord, Nebraska, and Pam's familiar with it, this community of 2000 in North Central Nebraska. And Part of their success by energizing their entrepreneurial talent, not only in their business community, but in their nonprofit healthcare world, other parts of their community, they have created demand for capital that is about three times higher than their peer communities because they've got all this activity going on. So speak a little bit more about this important part of the collaboration that you and your network can bring capital as Rev energizes a community to say, we can now deploy more capital successfully, not only in the business community, but in some of these nonprofit areas like childcare and healthcare in the community. Yeah, I appreciate that, Don. There is a lot happening in rural communities today that I think people are not aware of. There's a lot of needs that exceed our ability, even through partnership, to provide necessary capital So we need to bring everybody to bear on this. So what we bring is a team, a collaborative attitude, a partnership attitude, one where we take everybody, public, private, nonprofit. And this is this is our business plan. This is our approach. This is what it's been now for 16 years is bring everybody to the table. Our business plan spells out hundreds of relationships that are critical for us to be able to go into rural communities, to be able to tap into in order to get stuff done. It's not just your local bank. It's not just us. 
It's many. It's many in the community and many in the region. And the other thing is we have to think about is we have to think more regionally about localities. That's another part of, I think, our effort and our learning from the past is that regions succeed together. When critical mass doesn't exist in a small town that might not be able to survive, regions bring critical mass. So we need to think more regionally about how we invest and partner. So we can do it through equity investments. We can do it through typical conventional financing. We can provide grants. We have something called real business investment companies. These are equity investments, but they're specifically tailored for agripreneurs, entrepreneurs in rural communities in different sectors. And each one of these funds are different and they work a little bit specifically in terms of how they invest, where they invest. And there's corporate giving, which is a big part of this. And we have now established a directed giving fund as well for tailored purposes. So it's kind of an all the above. And the other part that I think is maybe fully understood is when you bring expertise to others, it unleashes capital that sits still. And that's the other part we bring is we have a tremendous amount of expertise in being able to help them navigate other funding mechanisms that they can tap into. For example, like USDA guarantees or direct loans. They may not be able to do it, but we can help them get it done by writing it up for them in a different kind of partnership. Many ways to accomplish all of this, to unleash all of the capital potential in these communities from small, early stage entrepreneurs and venture capital, all the way up to large companies that are growing rapidly and more traditional finance. We have all of that ability. And so that's what we bring is sort of this expertise around all of that to be able to form all of these different approaches to deploying capital. Yeah. And I think it's so important. I was having a conversation with some friends with a District of Columbia or D.C. think tank. And the perception in some circles in Washington is that rural America's capital starved. Part of the reason it's not prospering is there's not enough capital. And I said, you guys got to watch what's going on <laughs> with Compere and Rev. Because on the one hand, Rev allows a community to really energize that talent, to vision, to say we can do more. But then with what you're talking about, the availability of capital match up with that deal flow. Now we've got a one-two punch that says capital shouldn't be the constraint. If we can energize good deal flow through Rev and you can, through your network, bring capital to match up with that deal flow, now we've got something that's going to really make a difference. And I think that's why this initiative is so important to be watched by those who say, can this inform others in different parts of rural America about how to get this work done? So Pam, I want to come back to you and start with you because we're going to have to wrap up here pretty soon. But what comes next with this Rev Compare partnership? And then John, I'll give you a chance to kind of make a final comment on that and then we'll wrap up for our audience and we'll move on. Well, what comes next, Don? What have we been doing since January when our partnership with Compere officially launched? We've created an oversight team and Compere is a part of that team. And so we meet monthly to kind of look at our documents, revise our work. We continue to learn through the eyes of you, Don, and Network Kansas, which has been another great partnership. We're in the process of finalizing all of our applications and we'll be opening it up to another cohort in Minnesota starting January. At the same time, we're talking with folks in Wisconsin. And so we have a number of conversations with the University of Extension there in Wisconsin, Network Kansas, CETA, a whole host of players that are a part of the coordinating of how we expand this work into states like Wisconsin and Illinois. 
So our anticipated timeline is that over the course of the next six to 12 months here, we want to have a solid plan of how we execute this work beyond southern Minnesota. We want to begin inviting communities in that meet the criteria based on work that we've done collectively, Don. We know what works in communities and how effective some of the criteria needs to be in order for communities to get a good launch, good start out of the gate sort of thing. Hopefully in the next three years, we'll have communities actively doing this work in all three states. And so alongside Compere and CETA and other players and Network Kansas, we want to make sure that we have a solid ground game for these newer states, that they're able to select the communities which are best ready, doing entrepreneurship work already. We know Wisconsin is in a great position and just our conversations with them, we know how supportive that state is and moving entrepreneurship forward in their communities. So we're pretty excited. I mean, we're excited to guide Compere and other partners in Wisconsin so that they can move this work forward. At the same time, I'm feeling really good about our work here in Southern Minnesota. I appreciate the insights that Compere and CETA and Network Kansas is offering already as we position ourselves for another successful third cohort launch. We're looking at a couple of food and ag communities as really focus areas in this space because of the work that Compere focuses on. We think that would be an exciting test run to see how do we take a community that's doing effective work already in a certain industry sector and how do we move them beyond what they're able to do today with the resources and tools that all of us collectively can offer. We're in the process of recruiting new coaches, which is an important component to this work. I will be stepping back as a coach and doing more oversight. So Don will be inviting you in to do some coaching training for us later this summer. And we hope to announce our Minnesota cohort in September at our Entrepreneur Bridge event, which will be held in Southern Minnesota. So we're excited, lots of work underway, but all great work and great partners to do it with. Absolutely. No, we're looking forward to it, Pam. And I love working with community coaches. And so that'll be fun. Thanks for inviting us to the dance. John, I want to wrap up with you. And obviously, Compere is very committed to your communities and to your mission. With this partnership with Rev, what do you hope might be true in, say, five years? A couple of things that would materialize out of this hard work and commitment that Compere is making. Well, that we are really growing these communities that with that are entrepreneurial focused. So what would be great? I'd love to be able to see a community that that maybe is just early stage, maybe just on the cusp of being sort of rev ready, if you will, and being able to see that in five years, they're more than that. They're really leaders. And that community, it's really changed the community from a just close to surviving, maybe on the cusp of thriving the one that really has become a regional leader that other communities are looking to, to understand better, what did they do? How did that work? How did leaders really align around the work? And how did the entrepreneurial culture get built there in such a way that it attracted so many opportunities that other entrepreneurs are breaking down the doors to get in? And if we can see something like that, imagine what we can teach other communities who were in a similar spot and maybe even accelerate that trend. So, It's not about just one community. We're interested in scaling and learning to be able to apply what we've learned in these communities that really works. And if we can do that, there are so many ways that we can share that information out and really help others grow. And 
we'll be able to invest along the way. We'll be behind them, every community, to be able to make sure that there is financing available one way or another, whether it's through grants, whether it's through financing, whether it's through equity investments, whatever it is, to be able to support those communities for growth, because we know our clients will depend on it. And if it's true that our clients are becoming increasingly dependent on these communities, there's not as many farmers today as there was a year ago and five years ago, and certainly 100 years ago. We know that these communities are, are critically important. So investing there is the key. It's the key to our future, ensuring that our clients succeed as well. So this is an effort to really make a holistic play in investing across the board in rural America to make agriculture in rural America strong. We need these communities to stand out and really learn from this. But I'm confident we've got strong leadership here in PAM. We've got strong partners in CETA and many others in communities. So, Don, thanks for, for your leadership. I mean, you're really, truly the pioneer. And <laughs> we owe a lot to you for it. We do. And I'm looking forward to this. Well, and I love your scaling strategy because I think there's nothing more powerful in rural America than successful communities and having their stories shared with others to inform and inspire. And so that makes perfect sense to me. John, Pam, thank you for being my guest today as we wrap up. You bet. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, John. You bet. And we look forward to working with you in this exciting initiative. So folks, let's wrap up. I want to share some resources that we're going to make available as part of this podcast. Of course, we encourage you to go to our website, energizingentrepreneurs.org. There's a whole set of free resources there. You can sign up and get access to our collection of podcasts and resources. But specific to this podcast, we're going to be sharing some information about Compare Financial. We're going to reshare our podcast and our background on Rev because we still think folks should take a look at those lessons. And then as information emerges with this new exciting initiative between Compere and Rev as it expands in the coming year in Minnesota and then eventually Wisconsin and Illinois, we want to keep you posted. So on behalf of Pam and John today, folks, thank you for joining us. All our best to you, our listeners, and your efforts to grow a stronger rural America, one community at a time. Thanks and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Mm-hmm.